Blog Talk Radio. Everybody's trying to believe in this shot. 
Indeed, indeed, fellas, indeed. All right, so let's let's get right down to it. Like I said, Commissioner T is probably going to be listening, just starting a new job, getting his feet wet, learning a whole lot, got osmosis going on, heavy on the brain. We know he's tired and whatnot. I'm sure he's listening in. We're going to carry the torch for months. JB's on the ones and twos. It's been about two weeks short of a full year since I've done this. Um, time to get soaking wet, if you know what I'm saying. Get it, man. Do it. Okay. So let's get it in, man. We got a lot to talk about tonight, so we've got team status checks. We've got first quarter taking a look at what's going on. We've got the AFC check. we got the NFC check. We've got so much to talk about, never enough time. So let's talk about first and foremost. Let's look at this agenda that we got here that K-Star was so, so nice to put together. I appreciate it. Let's talk about both Steelers there at the case side. Big Ben, five touchdowns. They roll over the seat. Had a chance to watch it before I even could sneeze. It's 29 to nothing. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell coming back that makes that offense even more potent. You, you ask, are, are the Steelers a bona fide contender? And I think this is probably a good segue to open up a potential bona fide versus bona front. But we'll, we'll, we'll put that to the side right now. Let, let's talk about your Steelers and what they did on, on Sunday night to really make the Chiefs look like they didn't need to go on the field with them. Yeah, going into the game, the question, I mean, we, we, we know what happened uh, that uh, the previous Sunday at Philadelphia where we got railroaded pretty badly in, in our own state. However, I mean, we all expected the Steelers to bounce back, and sure enough, they did. You know, Big, big Ben's a full horseman, let's be clear here. I mean, the five touchdowns, you know, he is, he is third in all-time. NFL history with five touchdowns or more in a single game, which actually is pretty cool to see. Um, we expected them to play well. We expected the Dolphins to play well with Le'Veon Bell coming back. For me, the takeaway is the defense. Coming into the game, having one sack, um, which is less than 1% of the pass attempts this year's have played um, defense on, they, they managed to you know get one sack, which is insane. Teams are throwing against them over 40 times a game in. Regression to the mean took a took an effect, and the Steelers' defense responded to to the challenge. I know Tomlin sat down the defense and offense that that really challenged the defense to generate pressure and confuse the quarterback, and they managed to bring down Alex Smith uh, quite a few times and generate some early down turnovers, which was really key in this blowout win. Um, I think as long as the Steelers' defense continues to improve. And I think it will. We saw this last year where it gradually, you know, got got a bit better as the season wore on. Um, then I think that the Steelers absolutely are a bona fide Super Bowl contender. I mean, again, when you, when you add in Le'Veon Bell, when you have that offense, you just need the defense to, to be up to par. And, and I think they're capable of doing that. Um, you know, it's all about the pass rush. And I know Alex Smith is a quarterback that likes to get sacked a lot, but uh, they were they were getting after him really well, so that's definitely encouraging. I'm glad you brought up that whole Alex Smith bit because I wanted to ask you: Is is this defense a, a, a was it a dominant night because of the fact that the defense was playing up to the potential that you as a Steelers fan and, and the coaching staff of the Steelers and everybody else expected to, or is it more a product of having someone that's not quite as mobile? a quarterback like a, uh, a Cam Newton or, or a, uh, a Russell Wilson behind center. Uh, which one of the two do we have here? I think it's, I think it's just a reflection of, of 
having a lead and, and having an offense that could put quick touchdowns together. And so I think that, you know, if you – when, whenever you're a quarterback, whenever you're playing um, against a team that knows you're going to be passing every single down, it makes your job a lot easier. And I think the Steelers fundamentally can make that happen for a lot of teams where they have to play from behind. And so I think that is more of whom they are in that sense because I think more often than not, the offense is going to force that situation for whomever they're playing. Uh, I don't expect them to be as good as they were Sunday night, you know, the rest of the way, but I do expect them to be more <clears throat> league average because to this point, outside of last Sunday night, they've been, they were well below league average in every relevant category defensively. Okay. Uh, that's strange. What are your thoughts on the game on Sunday night? Uh, I really wish I would have seen the uh, game from the previous week so I could understand why the Steelers laid such a huge egg against the Eagles. Uh, but it was definitely a, a, a good bounce back, a better bounce back than I thought it would be, considering that I actually sat Big Ben in fantasy football. I understand. It was stupid. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it, it is the exact reason why I lost. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's I, a deserved loss right there. Don't feel bad. Yeah, I saw I, Matt Ryan on the bench, so don't feel bad. Yeah. Didn't realize that the Kansas City defense would get torched like that. What I did like about the game uh, was how you had this huge talk about Marcus Peters and um, – you know, how, he, you know, plays Cornwell should be avoided, and they went after him all, I mean, early and often with Sammy Coates. They felt like that was a better, was, was one of their better matchups, and they went at him, and they were very successful at it, uh, which was, that's what I like to see. I, I love, I, I hate to see offenses that shy away from the, from, from the best corner and just don't find any way to beat, to beat the guy who was supposedly best corner on the, on the opposing team. But Pittsburgh didn't shy away from him. They put up some points early and quickly, and the defense did what it needed to do early on. And with the offense capitalizing on every possession in the first in the first quarter, next thing you know, you're 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 in the passing you're in the passing mode for the rest of the game. So still, the defense all they have to do is pin their ears back. So I, I just like the way they oh well 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 for me have the Kansas City defense, but. Yet it was actually good to watch, and then I stopped watching because it got ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it kind of snowballed. Yeah, I, I think um, I think Kansas City is a good team. I just don't think they were as prepared as they could be for for the Steelers team. And I'm glad that you also mentioned Sammy Coates. We all seem to be on the same page, so that's great. Sammy Coates, Auburn product. They've expected him to stand up, stand up, stand up and, 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 and catch some balls, but he hasn't been able to do so consistently. I think you couple that with the fact that you bring Le'Veon Bell to get home. You've got the coach actually being a part of the offense for one thing and catching the ball as another dynamic to that team because you already know that Antonio Brown's going to get hit. That's a, that's a given fact. No question about it. But you need somebody to complement that. And Marcus Wheaton, we know about that story. You need somebody on the other side, Antonio Brown, that can do it. And, and Coach stepped up. Defense was playing well. Got no complaints about that. Uh, in regards to last week, last week I think it's one of those things that every team has a week where it's just a throwaway week for whatever reason. And I think last week's uh, annihilation that happened was just 
Steelers throw in type of weeks because we know the Steelers can play better than that. We know that the Eagles are a good team, but I'm not sure they're that good. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Remains to be seen. But nonetheless, good win by the Steelers. Can't take anything away from them. They do look for real. They do look like Super Bowl contenders. The biggest thing that they got to worry about, besides just the defense, and this is really the truth for all 32 teams, is they got to stay healthy. Got to stay healthy. We'll get into that portion of the uh, discussion later on. So let's, let's move on. Let's talk about the Cowboys, if you will. I know Big T got to be somewhere. If he's not listening, he sure is heck glad to hear about it. So uh, let, let's talk about the Cowboys. And let's go back to uh, Dr. Trent. Did you get a chance to see the Cowboys and the 49ers play? And if you did, what was your takeaway from that? Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot to get into between the 49ers and the Cowboys, man. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to really um, give anything to, to actually – that particular matchup, it was one of those where the where the Cowboys were expected to win. Um, I caught some glimpses of, of that game. Uh, the only main takeaway I, I can take from it is that the Cowboys continue to run the ball well. And they continue to do that, they're good. What I want to talk about more is less about the game, but more about the confrontation of whether they should start Romo when he's healthy. Because the stuff that I'm hearing the sound is pretty ridiculous. I know people are high on Dak Prescott, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm on Team Prescott. But there is no way I would not put Tony Romo back in the lineup when he comes back. The offense is, we're, you're, you're moving the ball with Prescott. He doesn't make mistakes, but you're not thriving offensively with Prescott. The way that the, the way they move down a move the ball down a field uh, with the pass for with Tony Romo versus Prescott is like night and day, and it will be night and day, you know, whenever he's able to come back. So I, that that's that's really more the story than that than the actual game against the Forty Nineers, my opinion. Well, and, and I see where you're coming from. I, I beg to differ from the standpoint of this, this is another game on the road, and we all know how difficult it is in the NFL on the road. And you've got a rookie quarterback. And, and San Francisco, obviously, they're not the San Francisco of, of old back in the heyday. But the one thing they do still have is, is a pretty decent at best. And, and the fact that they were 14 points down on that Prescott showing that poise that we've seen throughout the first three games and, and it carried on from, from the preseason brought them back and basically scored the next three or four out of the, the next 27-point score. I think there's something that we can take away from this victory, especially on the road, even though it seemed like it was almost a home game. If you look up in the stands and you, and you hear how much cheering was going on every time the Cowboys scored, you would think they were in Dallas because they're not San Francisco, California, or Santa Ana, whatever they're playing. So there's something, to be, something that can be taken away from that. Are they legitimate in the NFC? Again, if, with this team, in my opinion, it's going to boil down to the quarterback play, regardless of it, of it being Dak Prescott or Tony Romo comes back. It, it really doesn't matter. It's going to be ready for the back play because right now the way they're playing is, and I, I'm surprised to even say this, but, the word discipline and Dallas Cowboys being said in the same sentence doesn't always happen. And the amount of turnovers that they have or lack thereof has been phenomenal. That's why they've been in every single game of the season so far. 
And that all starts with the quarterback making the right decisions, the right reads, the right So to kind of segue a little bit, and, and I'm going to have K-Star jump in and, and give his take on it, I, I too lean towards Romo, even though he is more of a gunslinger, if you will, he's more prone to take chances because he's got that rapport with his receivers. They do move the ball up and down the field a little bit better, and they're working throws that, that got away with that should have been picked off. But, again, the fact that they're playing well at the quarterback position, the fact that Elliott's been the true running the football, time of possession, taking time off of the defensive hands, having to be on the field, that's key to victory. We're seeing the same recipe from, from two years ago, guys. Running game, defense playing up to par when it really needs to most, Quarterback making right decisions, right reads, three and one, same record that they were when when they were four games in, I believe, two years ago. Looking good. Hey, star, what are your thoughts? I think the question at hand is what will the Cowboys' record be when Romo comes back? Is it six and two? Is it seven and one? You know, is it five and three? Basically, it's how well does Dak play from between now and until his return because if he improves and continues to improve, um, that's going to be a tough sell if the Cowboys are 7-1, 6-2, playing really really well, and you're injecting a new player at the quarterback spot. I don't care who it is. It's part of the reason why, you know, Belichick rode the hot hand when he had a young Tom Brady without realizing what he would turn into, right? I mean, it's one of those things where – you know, everyone. Yeah, we talk about chemistry, but the fact of the matter is, you've been on the field for eight weeks in the NFL season, and you come back. It's going to take you some time to, you know, jump back into the swing of things. And if you have a team that is seven to one and, and playing a certain way, and and has established that chemistry, then it's going to be a little tough. Especially, again, when when you consider that Dak has been playing pretty well, and I expect to will will continue to improve. I mean, he hasn't even played with a healthy Des Bryant to this point. So I, I think that it remains to be seen of, of what, you know, Dak will produce between now and then. And if he produces, <clears throat> again, at a very, very strong level and the Cowboys have a very strong record, then I think that it's a legitimate controversy and it should be at that point. Um, because, again, if you have a young QB doing his thing and this is a, a guy who clearly, clearly is going to take over for the Cowboys um, and be their franchise quarterback going further, at, at least to me, um, you know, then it begs the question, you know, should Romo actually be injected back in the lineup? And I think, again, it's completely contingent on how well he plays and how well the team is playing at that point in the season. Yeah, this time we'll wait and see how it all plays out. But the one thing that I will say, there's actually two things that I will say. I saw a stat, I think it was yesterday, where in the first three quarters, Prescott's QBRs in the 90s, I think around 92 or 95, something like that, a very high number. Fourth quarter QBR is down in the 40s, I think it was 42. So that's, that's a bit of a red flag. I mean, obviously, small sample. You take everything with a grain of salt just because of what we're talking about. Who we're talking about. I get all of that, but the numbers are what they are. The second item that I think about, and it's, it's old history, but it's still history nonetheless. As we all know, history can repeat itself. Go back to the, the 72 Dolphins when Bob Greasy was the quarterback. He was leading the team to an undefeated season. He gets hurt. He's out, I think, six or seven games. Or Morrill comes in, continues the winning streak. 
Grizzlies healthy enough to come back in. He comes back in. They win the championship undefeated season. I'm not saying that's going to happen here. That's that's not what I'm comparing. But what I'm comparing is having a starter come in, he goes down, the backup comes in, does a great job. When the starter's ready to go back in, he's healthy enough, he comes back in and he continues that torch and continues to, to win ball games. Could that be the same situation here? Possibly. So it's not to say that there's not a precedent for this to happen because it has happened before. Obviously, the, the reverse has happened as well. Starter gets hurt, goes out, never sees the field again for that particular team. I'll outbreak blood, so that comes up quite a bit. So the possibility of either scenario happening is legit. It's real. Right now, it, it's obviously a wait and see because we still got another month or so before Romo comes back. I like what I'm seeing from Prescott at the same token. Who's a better quarterback? Prescott, Romo. And I think everybody would agree Romo's a better quarterback. I think Romo could get him over the hump and, and make those throws that Prescott can't make right now. But it's, it's a wait and see. Either way, it is a good problem to have. They're 3-1, and one, one victory away from all the victories they had last year. The same record that they had with Tony Romo as the starting quarterback last year. So they, they were basically one player away from potentially being undefeated if Terrence Williams could have got out of bounds and, and see if Bailey could kick a field goal to, to uh, put him ahead. But again, yeah, it is what it is. They lost the game at three and one. Great record to have. So we'll see. I, I'd like to see Romo come back myself, just because he's been he's been steady, steadfast, and and the guy's been been a warrior. Um, Dak is playing great. Definitely heir apparent. Uh, it's going to be a wait and, wait and see type of deal. See how that continues to play. So, enough about Cowboys right now, although uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, like I said, I'm glad that they won. So. How about them, Cowboys? <laughs> yeah, I, I got to do that. I, I, know, I know T would be happy about that. We'll take a break from that. Let's talk with Dr. Train about his Bears because I know he's chomping at the bit. They got a victory. No Jay Cutler. They got Brian Hoyer in there. It's the journeyman. We'll see if um, if he can continue. So what do you think about your Bears in that victory there, Dr. Train? Well, as you may be truthful to you, I'm not really excited to talk about a 1-3 team. Yeah, they're my Bears, but it doesn't excite me at all that we're 1-3. Yeah, um, they, they won. Take it a week at a time. They won, bro. They won. I I I I hear you, man. I hear you. They won, and I'll, I'll take it a week at a time. Uh, it's a it's a division game, so that makes it that makes it that makes it all the exciting. Um, I have to take I have to take it by just things that I saw that I like. One, Jordan Howard running the ball is pretty awesome. I hate I hate he didn't get a, enough red zone red zone opportunities to kind of punch one in. That's okay. I like the way the defense played. But I just wonder if it's the line is not as I know well I know it's not as tough as the previous opponent which was which was Dallas, but the defense played pretty well, um, considering what happened to them the week before. But I give them credit on that end. I'm just waiting to get some people back from uh from entry. But so far, I don't really care who plays quarterback. As long as we don't turn over the ball. So <laughs> if we got to continue with Brian Hoyer for the rest of the season, I'm good. I'm good. I just don't want stupidity behind the behind the center. 
So you you got to be you got to be a, a, a little bit excited about the fact that you've got uh, Lafer was hurt, and then you've got Howard coming in running for what uh, 100, 111 yards on 23 carries and got a, a few catches under his belt too. You're starting to yep. see at least a few catches in the past position. Lafer's hurt. We don't know what's going to be his status when he comes back and. Uh, I think the future, a lot of reports are saying wow. the future is, is Howard's shoulder. So you got to be at least excited about the backfield. Definitely the backfield. Definitely the backfield. A little bit concerned about Kevin White. He did get hurt, but I haven't heard what, what is what the status of his MRI is. They haven't put out anything. So I hope it's not serious or long-term because he's finally actually running routes downfield. Yeah. taking more yeah. back. I mean, Finally, like, dude, you need to be a, you got to be a real receiver, man. It's such to see a rookie receiver get drafted by an opposing team, and and they're going out and they're playing receiver, and you see you see your guy who you finally ready to ready to uh uh, uh see get on the field, and they're throwing them quick passes. Like, nah, man, let them play receiver. <laughs> get downfield, let them run some routes. Good to see that. I hope it leads not too long. Huh? That's what he gets paid for. Better run those routes. I mean, he missed all of last year. Number seven pick, if, if I recall correctly. Missed the entire year with it, with a, a leg injury. He's back on the field now. He thought he was going to be matched up with Cutler. Not, that's not going to happen anytime soon, at least not until he gets over this thumb injury. And, and the way John Fox is talking, it's not a guarantee that, uh, that Cutler's going to get his job back once he's healthy. Mm-hmm. So if there's if they're able to move the ball up and down the field, limit the turnovers and mistakes, do you see any reason or any chance of color getting back on the field? Uh, no. I like I like the way John Fox thinks. Hot hand gets played. You know what I'm saying? If Brian Hoyer starts to suck, bring back Jay Cutler. Everybody knows Jay Cutler's arm is stronger, but it's not about your arm being strong. It's about decision-making, man. It's about just finding a better quarterback between you and you and Brian Hoyer, and you're not. You're getting paid like you're the better quarterback, but you're not playing like you. Just sitting back there and not making smart decisions with the ball is what kills uh, Chicago. We don't have the personnel to dig us out of a hole. We just don't. We don't have the depth. We suffer an injury. It's, it's, we're going downhill. We just, we're just one of those teams right now. We just simply don't have the, don't have the depth, and the team is not good enough to cover to cover up for stupid mistakes, if any mistakes. Right. So, I'm, I'm, I'll throw this out to you, uh, Dr. Train. And, and K-Star, I want you to weigh in on this also. I didn't need to ask you, K-Star, about your Steelers in this regard because we already know that's not the case, but I want to throw out to both of you. And it's probably an easy question, but I want to just open up some dialogue about it. Bears, are they in a rebuilding mode right now? Yeah, you could probably say, um, I think coming into the season, their mind was, I think we have enough to be a playoff team. That's why I felt like Chicago was coming into the season. It wasn't a 100% rebuild. It was, okay, I saw what we did last year. We were competitive. We lost some close games. Uh, yeah, Chicago could have easily had a, nine-win season, considering three or four games of last year. And it's like, all right, 
we 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 fill in some gaps that we were missing. We're going to try to be a playoff team this year because actually when I look at when I look at teams at the beginning of the season, when you talk looking at the NFC before Minnesota came in and showed out and the Eagles came in and showed out, you know I, I considered uh, four NFC teams that were definitely playoff teams, and now two of those are sitting at sitting at one and two. So we never we never really know. But I don't think it was a complete rebuild. But now, uh, even now, I wouldn't say 100%, maybe 75% rebuild. Because it is a matter of trying to find someone to run the – it is a matter of trying to find a, find a quarterback. They need to find a quarterback for the future. That, that's for sure. But I, I, I don't think that they're, they're doing it with the sense of, oh, yeah, we, we're ready to just completely rebuild the team even though they have switched out over half the roster between last year and this year. They're looking for players. Well, yeah, I mean, it's one thing to switch out a roster to another thing to go to the draft and, and go into free agency and try to rebuild your team that way. You either rebuild or rebuild. Case mm-hmm. what, what are your thoughts on it? You've been a little bit quiet. I know it's not your team and it's not your area of expertise, but you obviously have a huge football knowledge background, so i like to see what your thoughts are on it because you don't have to worry about that with your feelings. Yeah, I mean, the Bears, to me, seem like they're in re- definitely in rebuild mode. I mean, when you consider the way they start off the season and also noting how I think a lot of the reason why Kevin White's a lot of play receivers is because they acknowledge that, hey, we got to get this guy developed and we got to give him opportunity. And, you know, even if it's not necessarily for the – Optimal, not even if it's not the optimal selection for this current game that we are in, it's it's optimal for this franchise's future and and his development as well. Cause, I mean, a lot of those passes that probably should be going to Alshon have been going to Kevin White. Um, I don't know if that's health, but I think that's more development based and and trying to get him going. Um, and you know, you look at Jordan Howard and he's a nice young piece, but yeah, I mean, uh, again, we're talking about backups and we're talking about the guys who are young and have potential. And usually, when that's a spot when guys who are getting who have a, a extreme amount of potential or getting a lot of playing time is because teams are typically in rebuilding modes. Well, that's not that's not particularly the case. Like the, the, the your reasons for stating that players are actually getting time is not because the team is rebuilding. It's honestly due to injury. You know, their plan was to play second year running back Jeremy Langford to be the top two. Kevin White was always considered a top talent at wide receivers to bring him in. It was ideal for him to get targets with next to Alshon Jeffries because Alshon Jeffries would receive double teams. And that's exactly what happened in a few games that we played. We started out against the Eagles. They wanted to match up Alshon Jeffries one-on-one. It was a bad idea with the Eagles. We actually moved the ball. The minute they, they changed it up and put a safety over top, we couldn't go to him anymore. So you forced to go to every forced to go to everyone else. My my uh, issue with the team is that last year we had no no Alshon, no Eddie Royal, no Kevin White, and Chicago was still able to move the ball with all the backup receivers. But this year that's not the case. So it's something that happened offensively that we did, that they did last year that they're not doing this year. So you're seeing young players not because so much the team is rebuilt is mainly due to a the player that was above them that was close to play, the veteran that they brought in is injured. Well that's 
that's why I prefaced my statement was that due to the injury, I think it they're in that spot now where they are in rebuilding mode because, you know, they've lost those guys and now they have those younger guys that need to try out and, and develop. And, uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, definitely agree with the Alshon and in-game management the team went with and feeding Kevin White. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think the Bears at least have something to look forward to. The Bears fans at least have something to look forward to in the sense that so long as White is actually healthy, I'm not sure that he is. But if he's healthy and um, and and ready to play, then at least you can see him and and Howard's development. Because I think both players have potential. Yeah, well, here's my take. I, I don't think this is a rebuild. I think this is more along the lines of a retooling because of the injuries that they had last year. They've got young studs out there that can ball. Alshon Jeffrey, I think it's still the real deal. Uh, I think he's probably getting more attention now because Brandon Marshall's not there. Uh, Kevin White, don't know what we have from him, but we know he, he has the potential to be a star. And I put potential in air quotes because he has such a, a great collegiate career. We just haven't seen enough of him on the pro level. You've got a running back in, in, um, in Langford that's hurt. You also have Hopkins now that seems to be the real deal, at least after this one game. Um, so you've got weapons on offense. It seems like, obviously, I'm going to to the, the, the head honcho, got to train with this, but it seems like the defense isn't that bad. They've got some holes to fill up, but it's not not the, the basement, if you will. The bottom line is, is just what uh, Commissioner always talks about, quarterback, head coach, quarterback, head coach. I believe John Fox is a very good head coach. They need a quarterback. Is Foyer the, the, the placement right now? I don't think so. I think he's going to bridge the gap to somebody else, and I don't think it's Cutler anymore. I think we, we can take that and bury and throw some dirt on it because I don't think the the, the locker room believes in him. I don't think uh, people in the organization believe in him. I don't think, in general, the NFL, NFL players believe in him. I think he's on his last leg in Chicago. Without saying that, I agree with it. But Chicago right now needs a quarterback. They need a quarterback desperately. And if Hoyer can fill that role right now and they can keep looking, especially what he looked on Sunday, if he can keep looking like that, then fine. Let him carry out the rest of the year. But they still need a long-term solution at quarterback, and I don't think that player is on the roster right now. That's just my opinion. And I totally, I definitely 100% agree with that. And just a note on the defense, no, the defense isn't as good as it, it could be, it can be. Uh, we definitely have, I can I can call off three players right now, Vanell uh, uh, McPhee, Danny Trevathan, and Eddie Goldman, who are like the staple of our defense that are not playing. So it can definitely be better. And Barnett, they're able to come back from injury soon, definitely will get better. Yeah, because Trevathan is supposed to be that that, uh, that huge free agent signing from from the defending yep. chefs. He's supposed to be man yep. in the middle taking care of it. So he should be the new cornerstone because he's a young cat. He's only like in his mid-20s or something like that, right? Exactly, exactly. 26. They got Gerald Freeman to go along with him, and Gerald Freeman, Gerald Freeman is balling. And if we can, if we can get Pernell McPhee healthy, 
uh, that helps that helps our pass rush uh, next next to Willie Young, and there, there won't be so much pressure on Leonard Floyd at least this year uh, to to produce. But definitely Eddie Goldman needs to be back up. No one angles the middle of our defense better than he. We have no one as big as him. Yeah, well, it, it, we're definitely find out what happens because right now at, at one and three, and you've got the Packers at two and one, you've got the Vikings. I hate to say it, but it seems like the playoff chance. No chance, that's what you got. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> You know, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> but but I digress. I digress. So so let's move on. We enjoyed the Bears winning. We enjoyed the Cowboys winning. We enjoyed the Steelers winning. So that's our team team status check for the night. Great wins by our teams. We'll, we'll see what happens this coming week, and uh, but we'll move on from that. So let's now talk about the first quarter of the season. And, and, and so I cannot believe that we're already one quarter into the season. It seems like we just were talking about preseason. We were just talking about Romo going down, being hurt with a broken bone in the back. We were just talking about uh, we got Sam Bradford being traded before week one. Here we are a month into the season, and we've got surprise teams. We've got disappointing teams. We've got folks that are playing at what seems to be MVP caliber levels. We've got the whole gamut. And I swear the NFL is just like a soap opera because you never know what's going to happen next. So I want to know from, from K-Star, through the first four weeks, who's your MVP so far? I'm going with Von Miller. Broncos are sitting pretty undefeated. And Denver's defense is so dominant. I mean, we've seen, I believe he has five sacks so far in the season. Um Numerous forced fumbles, some game-changing plays already. I mean, yeah, it, for me, for me, it's 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 head and shoulders. Uh, you know, Von Miller ahead of the crowd right now. I mean, it's only four games for sure, but he's definitely doing his thing. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. He, he is definitely the anchor of that defense, and, and that boy is a real deal. And you know, we we always talk about the offensive players because they put up the big numbers. We talk about the quarterbacks, we talk about the running backs, we talk about the wide receivers. We really never get a chance to focus on the defensive players. And he is a true stud. You talk about someone that can disrupt the offensive line from a pass protection standpoint, disrupt the running game, drop back into coverage. I don't know what he can do. We're good about trying to name what he can't do versus what he can do because the list is too long for what he can do. And um, that's, that's, that's a good one. Uh, I, I, he's a, a main reason why they're 4-0 right now. Obviously, the quarterback play has been great. With, with, um, with, with Simeon coming in, uh, thinking that, obviously, Sanchez is going to be the quarterback. Simeon beats him out. Sanchez is 5 by Then he gets hurt. Paxton Lynch, the heir apparent. He's actually looking like he's ready to play at this level. So they're, they're getting the quarterback play that they need, but it's also being supplemented and, and strengthened by the fact that you got a, a, a strong defense, and it's stronger than what I expect it to be. And Von Miller's got a lot to do with it. I, I, can, I can understand that one. Dr. what about you? Who's your MVP so far through the first four weeks? Um, 
Man, this is one of those questions that I'm not really, I'm not really just really a big fan of because um, the MVP will never be a defensive player. It will always be an offensive player. It's just the way this is the way the league goes. Um, but I'm just going to choose my standout player so far for the season. And honestly, uh, them, purple, them purple people eaters, I like Linville Joseph. I, I <laughs> to sit there and watch that big dude tear up the middle the entire game, whether it's run or pass, it's it's stupid, man. It's ridiculous what he's doing, what he's doing to the middle, to the middle of the field, in the trenches. Run or pass, it doesn't matter. Lindell Joseph is going to work, and it's it's honestly fun, even though it's a big division rival, man. That defense, I watch it. It's fun to watch. Them boys hit, and I mean when when the person yeah, they gets hit. the ball. They're around like flies on shit. You understand me? They are there. You catch the ball. It's it, it, I mean, it's like the entire defense plus Waterboy and cheerleaders are right there, getting ready to make the tackle. You gotta, you gotta love a defense like that. It's been a while since we had talk about defense. My this year, I'm talking about defense. Damn these offenses, man. Anybody can can slank it a bunch of yards. These defenses are standing up. It's the main reason why the Eagles are sitting back where they were. Finally, Jim Schwartz is doing something that he's actually good at because it's damn sure ain't head coaching. But, yeah. Lindell Jones. You like that? You like that? You like that? Oh, man, Dr. Tran was about to come undone on that one. Yeah, he, he played a great game last night. I, I was surprised when I was able to catch because I'm going to tell you right now, I was feeling pretty much completely under the weather. I thought I had coming out with a flu or something, but I tried to watch as much of that game as I could, and I noticed that that strong kept mentioning his name all the time. You would be a disruptive parent. in a big way at ESPN. They really do. We all do, frankly. I mean, I love Gruden. <laughs> not so much the other guy. I thought it was just me. That's why I needed to ask. So I had to ask. Maybe just being a little overboard, but I couldn't tell. I'm glad to know it. Uh, as far as MVPs for the first four weeks in, in Dr. Trandy, I get you. It's hard to say. First four weeks and whatnot. I get that. But my, my yeah, MVP, I'm going to go with Sam Bradford. Because you're talking about something maybe was thrown into the, the fire. But a week and a half before the, the season was to start. And he's got a team that's won those. He's actually been playing quarterback position the way you're supposed to play. He's making reads, he's making throws. He even had a couple of scrambles. Talking about a guy that had two ACL players. Uh, I think 
I would put him on in my MVP, but I would put him as my biggest candidate surprise as well, just because of what he's been able to do under center. I did not expect to see that. My daughter Olivia with it. I did not see that one coming. Hey, real quick, uh, Olivia, brother Jay, you got some feedback, man. I mean, we can we can hear you, but sometimes it's hard to understand you with the uh, with the feedback. Now, I don't know if it's the phone or if it's the, uh, where I'm at. Is that sounding better? That sounds a little better, yeah. All right, maybe, maybe I'm too close to the phone. See, I'm, I'm getting amped up now. That's what's happening. I'm starting to get in the mid-season form, and I'm getting hyped up, so my microphone can't take any of that. <laughs> That's what it is. Now that I got the, the phone at arm's length, I'm probably sounding a whole lot better, right? Yes. Yeah, see, that's that. I'm amped up now. Y'all got me hyped up talking about all this first four weeks and stuff. Got me hitting you like that and, and, and doing applause and whatnot. It's all y'all's fault. I'm, I'm amped up now. Oh, man. So, so did, did y'all catch my MVP, though? Yeah, yeah same Bradford. Same Bradford. Yeah, same Bradford. just want to be sure. Okay. All right, so y'all know who, who my MVP is. My biggest surprise team for the first four weeks, I'm going to say myself, I'm going to say it's Carolina because I thought that they would come out gangbusters, losing the Super Bowl the way they did, Cam with his basically short fuse and whatnot. I thought they would come come out this season and start smacking folks in the mouth, and I have not seen it. I've been seeing just the opposite. I've been seeing a team that's gotten smacked in the mouth more times than they've been doing the smacking. And I'm also seeing a team that really does not have a true identity anymore. You got Jonathan Stewart out with the hamstring. Always seems to have a hamstring or a groin or something wrong with, with the wheels. Even though Calvin Benjamin is back, they still seem to be placing everything on Cam's shoulders. Now, he's a big boy, 6'6", 250, physical specimen like you've never seen, but only so many hits he can take. And I don't think he's going to be able to be productive with all this, this punishment that he's taking. They need to figure out a way to get some of this stress and pressure off of him and get that smoothed out and dedicated to his wide receiver. He's got Calvin Benjamin back. They physical wide receiver. He's still got Olsen. Fozzie Whitaker, is, he's a running back, but he's more of a kind of an H-back, if you will. He's catching more balls than he is running the football. So they need to get Jonathan Stewart healthy. You need to get that identity on defense and start smashing folks. But until then, uh, this team is in trouble of even making the playoffs, let alone get back to the Super Bowl. What are your thoughts on that? And then I also want to know what your your biggest surprises are for the first four weeks as well. Well, I'll take the Panthers one, being the uh, cam lover here. Um, yeah, they need Jonathan Stewart back in a big way. They can't run the ball, and that's the difference. Last year, they were able to. Uh, they had a very good running game, ranked first in the NFL, and they also had the top scoring offense. But they've removed when you remove Stewart out of the equation, they've been unable to sustain drives, keep their defense off the field, and move the ball effectively, which is why so much seems to be on Cam's shoulders. Um, and it is. And frankly, Cam's not playing well anyway. Um, I'm not going to make an excuse for him. I mean, he needs to play better. He's been. There were some passes that I saw, you know, a crossing pattern. I think it's Ted Ginn and um, to Devin Funches where he was just overthrowing wide open third and threes, third and fours to guys that were wide open. Um, 
So that's definitely concerning. But yeah, the Panthers they they need it's it's a couple of things. A the running game they need that back and they need Jonathan Stewart to get healthy. But B the secondary is missing Josh Norman. <laughs> I mean I know it's really easy yeah. to say after Julio erupted for 300 yards, but guys he erupted for 300 yards like that is. They haven't been playing good anyway. I mean, you think that would have happened last year, or or, or was Norman in the lineup? I, last year, Julio, you know, struggled to even get a hundred against them in one game. So they're they're missing him, and, and the pe- teams are attacking them in the secondary, and and daring the Panthers to keep up, which is interesting because that was the Panthers' recipe last year, and now the tables have turned because they don't have a cornerback or the secondary to match up with top-notch receivers, and they don't have a the ability to this point of the season to sustain drives. So that's what, what's going on with them. Um, as far as my own team, for me, it's the Eagles. You know, I didn't, the Carson Wentz thing, I didn't expect this guy to play so well. Um, this guy already looks like a like he's a veteran almost. I mean, he's calling the plays and adjustments at the line of scrimmage, and I didn't expect Doug Peterson to do such a tremendous job as a play caller, as a head coach for that team. They are they are very much Kansas City Chief East, if you will. They are certainly that same Andy Reid mold and iteration. Um, but, you know, what, ma- what What makes Philly surprising is the fact that Carson Wentz came out like King Busters beginning the season, but also that defense is – we thought we knew they were good. I, I was saying last year that they were a good defense, but, you know, that defense last year ran so many plays, and this year – you know, they're controlling the clock, and, and the defense is fresh, and they're holding teams to under 10 points a game. I mean, we saw what they did to my Steelers and, and what they've been doing to everyone to to this point, so definitely the Eagles for me. Yeah, I mean, that, the Vikings were my one. Eagles would be my one. A. I agree with that because with Carson Wentz missing just about the entire preseason with the rib injury, you've got the, the new head coach. You've got a lot of turnover. You're trying to bring a new system in, obviously, with that new head coach. You're trying to get rid of the, the whole Tim Kelly era, so you've got obviously a lot of turnover. For them to come out three and zero, and especially we talked about this before, but the way they 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 looked against the Steelers. Now I don't think the Steelers obviously they're not the Steelers aren't that bad. I don't think the Eagles are that good, but still thirty four to three is thirty four to three. I don't care how you slice it. So um, I, I I can I can see where you're going with that. That would be my one A as well because they they have looked very good. And they look like the real deal so far. So, at the train, what about you? What's what's your take on 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 this on the Eagles, and then also your uh, your your biggest surprise going forward for for the first few weeks? Uh, you mean take on the Panthers or take on the Eagles? Both, both. I mean, maybe speak on both of them, and then give me your own take okay. as to who you think is your biggest surprise. Right. Okay. Um, but the Panthers, man, uh, Cam Newton, you know, sometimes I think, uh, what I, what I, what, you know, people call, always talk about, but I think what, what's kind of happening to the Panthers is this pressure to get back. You, you are right there until you have pressure to get back. And I think Cam Newton is feeling, feeling that pressure to get back, uh, to where they were last year. And it's going to take the full season before you get there. A man just needs to settle down. You know, offensively. Did we do it, Dr. Train? Case, are you still there? 
Yeah, I'm here. We seems as if we did lose him. Yep, we sure did. So we'll have to wait till um that train comes back in. We'll we'll hold his spot, but we'll we'll keep on talking about the the comments he had thus far with with trying to get to the mountaintop, if you will, and you get up there and you you, you can't stake your flag and, and you come back for another seat and try to do the same thing and you've got a lot of pressure on you. I, I get all of that. I understand all of that. But the eyeball test to me seems like it goes a bit further. Uh, I do believe that Josh Norman is, is, is probably showing the effects of not being on that team because you're right. I saw the game. I saw him out about as much as I could of it anyway. And he lit that team up. Julio Jones, 300 yards. I'm, some teams don't even rack up 300 yards, let alone have a, have the offense get 300 yards. It, that was insane. 12 catches, 300 yards. And if Josh Norman was on that team, I bet you they're kicking the tail right now for sending that deal. But if he was on that team, I don't think he gets half of either. Uh, he, he is that, that good of a player. But – the eyeball test to me just tells me something more than just pressure on them, something more than just trying to get back to where they were last year. Because if that's the case, you do the flip side of that coin. You've got Denver, who is undefeated right now, new leader. You, you don't have the, the sheriff back there in Peyton Manning. You've got what equates to a rookie quarterback with, with um, Trevor Simeon. I mean, granted, he played last year what one one snap and took a kneel down. That that really doesn't count for anything. So, in all right. evidence to me, you get the rookie quarterback back there. Carolina is known for the defense. The Broncos are known for the defense. Broncos are undefeated. Carolina's only got one win and four tries. So, these are two teams that were already at the top of the of the league last year. You've got one that's trying to get back to repeat. You got another one that seems like they weren't even in the playoffs a year ago. But something just does not seem right. And I don't know if it's because of coaching. I don't know if it's because of the players not gelling. I don't know if it's the, what they call that Super Bowl hangover. I have no idea. Nah. But see, I think for me, for me, it's strictly personnel. I mean, you lose one of the top cornerbacks in football. You replace them with their one cornerback as a rookie. And you expect the defense to perform at a similar level as last year. And clearly, that's just a mistake by the Panthers for an offense. They, they aren't that same defense. And we have to get rid of – we have to readjust how – and reassess how we look at the Panthers' defense. You know, maybe it'll end up being a solid defense, but it's not going to be what we've seen the last couple of years. It's just, it just – it can't be. Personnel isn't there. You know, and, and when, when you have now a defense that's susceptible and you have, again, Cam not having – um, a consistent running game with him, you know, then you can have all the receivers you want. But if you're predictable, of course the Panthers right now are on offense, then the, you're going to run into problems. You're going to get hit a lot more. You get sacked a lot more. You can put your quarterback under more duress. And to me, this is a pure reflection of, of losing that, that cornerback, the defense losing its edge, and the Panthers um, now having that, that, that domino effect on the whole Panthers offense. So when you talk about predictability, does that not fall on the head coach and offensive coordinator because they know that they have nope. Josh Norman missing on the defense, so you've got to do more on the offense, and you've got this big, strong quarterback that is, is taking some punishment leading up to this year. Now it seems to be taking on more because it doesn't seem as though they've mixed up the playbook enough 
to get the ball out of his hands quicker and get it into some of these playmakers' hands? Could it be pointed towards those the, the head coach and the offensive coordinator as well? I mean, yeah, but you can only Matt, you can only be so gimmicky for so long. At the end of the day, if you're in a spot where your defense is giving up tons of points and you're everyone knows you're going to pass the ball to get back into the game, then I mean, people are just going to know you're going to pass the ball. And I think that's it's, it's as simple as that with the Panthers. They, they aren't getting stops. They're not sustaining those drives. And you know whether it's and again for me it's it's far about personnel even on offense because they don't have that back right now who can you know get those tough yards and turn up what would be two yard gains into six or, or seven yard gains something that you know helps out the defense too and you know gets them uh, you know resting more and not playing as many plays which is yeah I, I just think the combo effect of Norman loss versus Stewart injury it, it's been fatal to this point. Well, and you've got Cam in, in the concussion protocol now, so his status for yeah. next week's game is up there. And um, who knows what's going to happen with that. I'm trying to see real quick who they're supposed to be playing this this coming week because it seems like it's they, they, be, they uh, play uh, Monday night. Yeah, they play yeah. Monday night against um, Tampa at home, I believe. Yeah, so uh, divisional game, obviously that's going to be important. Does he play or does he not play? Uh, it's anybody's guess right now. That they've got to figure out a way to get the ball out of his hands because he cannot continue to take the kind of, kind of beating that he's taking. And he also has to be smart enough to realize that as well. He can't loaf into an end zone thinking folks are going to let up and they get blasted in the face. I mean, come on now. You've got to be smarter than that. You've got to, you've got yeah, to finish off. Of so much. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to finish the play. You have to expect to get hit brace yourself. And all intense purpose may be well and good, but it, to me it didn't look like he was expecting that to happen. And he's got to be smarter than that. And he's got to realize he is Cam Newton. He's got to realize he's a big boy. And he's got to realize that these reps aren't going to give him the cause and the benefit of the doubt because of his size. The same thing that happened with Shaq in the NBA. They think he's big. He can take all the punishment. Take somebody that's two-thirds his size. He's going to call a foul every time. But because of Shaq, they're just going to let it go. Same situation with Cam. So he's got to understand where he's at in this league so that he can better position himself, get out of harm's way so he can be on the field, be productive, and help get this team some victories. Okay. Um, Still waiting to see if Dr. Train will come back. Hopefully he can. He's probably having some technical difficulties in the meantime. Let's move on to um, the league's most improved or surprise player through the first four weeks. Um, I, I've given mine as as Sam Bradford. You've given yours. We've talked about Cam Newton. We, we've talked about all of this. I, I want to know. I'm going to flip it around a little bit. I want to talk about the biggest disappointment now from a, either a fantasy perspective or just overall. Who is the biggest disappointment from a player standpoint that you have so far? Hmm. Um, bit of a tough one. I would say that to this point, um, I would say the biggest surprise is how much, how little we actually knew about Jamal Charles's injury. I mean, the guy played ten snaps, has played ten snaps through four games. So I think that when you look at that and you look at the expectation going into the season, I mean, he was like what a first round pick in many, or at least a second rounder, and in many fantasy drafts across the land. I think that makes him also a the biggest disappointment, also a big surprise because. It's, Again, we didn't expect for him to miss 
basically four whole games to start off the season. And, I mean, it's had a ripple effect. I mean, the Chiefs are late two and two, um, and they need, you know, they need a Jamal Charles to, to anchor that team. And, and Central Ware is very good, but they need more explosive plays, and they're not getting it without Jamal Charles in the lineup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I could go with that. Um, hmm. You know, another one actually is your boy Blake Bortles. Your boy Blake Bortles has disappointed many people, including I'm sure many Jaguar fans, because he's been playing just terrific football at this point. His fundamentals yeah. are terrible. He's he's yeah he's been wildly in- inaccurate, throwing a lot of interceptions. He's been a turnover machine um, through four games this season. Yeah, that that's kind of where I was leaning a, a, a little bit, and, and I mean he's. When you look at the stats from from a um, touchdown versus interception ratio, I mean he's, he's probably got one more touchdown than he does uh, picks. So I was kind of leaning that direction too, and, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he doesn't have the running game that you would hope to have. TJ Yeldon, second year sophomore season, expect bigger and better things from him. Hasn't really produced. You've got Chris Ivory, free agent pickup from, I think, the uh, the Jets to come in and compete and, and, and take some of the load off. He's been hurt. He's been sick. He just was able to get back to practice. I think he may have gotten in this game. I, I can't remember against Indianapolis. So, they haven't had the running game that you hope for. And now you got the, their uh, left tackle, Luke uh, Jokel. He's out for the season. So, the trend that Blake Boyles has right now is probably a downward trend, and when you've got your starting left tackle out for the season, that doesn't bode very well. To his credit, though, he's still got the Allen brothers. Still got Allen Hearns, Allen Robinson. Chances are, I, I think, um, what's, the name? what's the tight end that they have? Came over from Denver. Help me out because I, I can't remember his name. What's the tight end? Denver in Denver? Or the tight end? The tight end, Thomas. Or Denver? Um, Thomas. No, no, no. He used to play oh, Julius Denver. Thomas from Denver. Yeah, yeah Julius Thomas. Yeah. Right. So you've got him, but he's been in and out of the lineup. So when you're down weapons that you expect to have with a, a depleted offensive line and you don't have the, the best mechanics in the world and, and you're not reading the field the way you're supposed to, you're going to see him take a step back and. That's what I've been seeing myself. Um, they were able to squeak by with a victory in London. They can't seem to win in the States, but they can win outside of the States. Um, the, the irony of that. Uh, I probably have to say that's my biggest disappointment as well, because I expected to see not only the team, but I expected to see him take that next step up, and I just haven't seen it. And like I had said on the show a couple of weeks ago, when Commissioner T wanted to mess with me and drill me on the fact that they suck. Well, again, too much talent on either side of the football, and I'd put this on Gus Bradley if he can't get this team competing better. They played decent against the Colts, but they almost gave that one away. I'm not sure if you had a chance to catch the game, but it seemed like they were right around the corner losing that one too. So he's got to play better. Coach has to coach better. And um, that's really all i got to say about the Jaguars for now. They still got a chance to compete because it's early. They got that victory, but – uh, am I as convinced as I was early in the season or, or before the season started? Not as convinced, but I'm still not going to sell out because it's still a lot of, a lot of season to go. So, with that being said, 
That's the biggest disappointment. What's your biggest fantasy surprise thus far? Oh, um, biggest fantasy surprise. Well, um, I think it's, hmm, this one's also kind of tough. It's four games through. Um, I would go with the little bit of underwhelming performance from Amari Cooper. I've had really high hopes for him. I think he's a really good player. Um, but to this point, uh, he's had one 100-yard game. I, he has not scored one single touchdown. He was a high-value pick, you know, in, in the top three rounds. And he's healthy. Um, so it's not like it's been an issue of, you know, availability. It's been an issue of production. Um, so I think that he's been kind of, you know, up there in, in one of the biggest disappointments. Uh, I think he turns it around, though. I think the Raiders are onto something. And I think that, you know, to this point, they've missed out on just a few big plays with Amari Cooper. But from a raw number standpoint and, and where he was selected um, and the fact that he's still healthy, uh, I, I just think that he's been underperforming. That's a surprise to me. Yeah, well, obviously you expect more from him, especially given the fact that he played so great last year. Um, they, they still don't have that running game that you expect with Latavius Murray. I thought he was going to just blow the doors out to start the year off, and I haven't seen that yet. So, um uh, the, the fact that Carr is playing so well, I, I, that, for me, I, I have cold surprises. I have Carr because he has really stepped up. He's in some leagues, he's the fourth, the third-rated quarterback from a fantasy perspective. So he's been lights out. And it, the other one that I have is probably a bit of a surprise, but I'm kind of shocked that the, uh, the old Notre Dame product, the rookie from from the Golden Dome, is Will Fuller down in Houston. He's got the speed of unknown capability. The dude is a blur, but coming out of Notre Dame, they always had the, the issue with him with suspect hands. Can't catch the ball. Well, he's showing that he can catch the ball to the point where you've got Osweiler looking at him more so than looking at DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, that's, that's yeah. got to tell you something actually, there. Actually, Hopkins probably better pick as, as most disappointing um, rather than Cooper because at least, I mean, Hopkins had. 1.5 PPR points the other day, and you're right. It's kind of interesting that you have a rookie in Will Fuller who's getting more targets, more, you know, just opportunity to succeed rather than DeAndre Hopkins, and he's definitely been a, an awesome surprise uh, for those who own him and, and Houston fans because, I mean, yeah, he's you're absolutely right. He's already one of the best deep threats in the NFL because of how fast as he is. Yeah, catching's a problem for him, but you know he's he's a guy that that can continue to get better there, and to this point has been a huge weapon for Houston. Yeah, he's he's basically helped that team be three and one. I mean, Osweiler has has shown flashes of being a cornerstone quarterback for Houston, shown flashes of not being a cornerstone quarterback for Houston, but that guy has been pretty consistent and. Like I said, with the not being hands, you always worry about when you're a rookie wide receiver, the speed of the game, making sure that you can run the routes. Cat pass catching capabilities we never really factor in because it's always something that you think you can work on. It's more the routes and, and, and getting separation because of the speed of the game is so different. The DBs are bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. So being able to run the routes, get separation so you can catch the ball is always a big difference. But the fact that 
that he's been able to do all of that and catch the ball and put up some some, some pretty gaudy numbers thus far. Yeah, uh, I've been impressed. Um, so that, that's my, my positive surprise. I think my, my disappointment, and, and I know Commissioner G going to be like, that's not a disappointment. I expect that. Carson Palmer. I'm kind of surprised to see him play the way he's been playing thus far. I thought that he would um, help the Cardinals. I, I think we all picked the Cardinals to, to win or at least compete for the NFC West title. And the right. inconsistent play, the, the bad read that he's made, holding the ball too long in some instances, getting rid of it too fast in others, uh, he just doesn't seem to have the same fortitude, if you will, that he had last year. But I would say that'd be my biggest disappointment thus far. I'm sure there's some others, but he's he's probably yeah, my he's, number one. He's been pretty bad, honestly, and that's being kind of generous. The past two games, he's been a turnover machine. I mean, he went into Buffalo, I believe, through four interceptions. He had a few at home against the division, you know, a division rival in the Rams. Um, and really, he's just been really. He's been a turnover-prone quarterback since, like, week 17 or 16 of last season, uh, and, and especially in the playoffs when he got, you know, those two awful – you know, he, he was lucky to win the game against Green Bay. Uh, he threw about three interceptions in that game to find a way to win. But the Carolina game, you know, he, again, was a turnover machine, and it seems to have carried over into the season. So, yeah, he's been very, very underwhelming, and I have doubts that he will get it going this season. Yeah, you know what? He's like 36. But yeah, I mean, he's in, plus he's in concussion protocol too now as well. Uh, it seems like they're optimistic that he'll be able to play. Got his head slammed into that turf pretty good. Thank God it wasn't the turf at the old veteran stadium where he would be out multiple weeks. So I guess it's a blessing in disguise. Um, you know, to, to, to think about it from the quarterback position, I have another one that I don't know how I forgot. But talk about gang green. Uh Mr. Fitzpatrick up there with the Jets. That's been a disappointment. I thought that with him sitting out and he'd be that, that final piece, um, the Jets would be better off with him on the team than with him off the team. And he's thrown he threw six picks the week before, three picks again this past uh, week, uh, nine picks total. That That team cannot function without a strong quarterback. There's there's some teams out there that might be able to squeak by. Not many, but there's some. But the Jets aren't one of them. You got Matt Forte who's been been performing well, even though he's averaging under four yards a carry. He's still been able to perform out of the backfield, be it pass catching, blocking or running the ball. But Fitzpatrick has just looked horrific, especially these last two weeks. And I think the the fact that they haven't put Geno Smith in tells you how much they think of Geno Smith. You throw nine picks in two weeks and you haven't at least had a discussion about switching quarterbacks, it tells you how they feel about your backup. Yeah, just my thought. He's been a turnover machine. I mean, we've seen him be erratic throughout his career. Last year he played well, but, again, kind of in the season on a sour note. And you know, I actually think he'll, I think he'll get it together. I mean, I know he had a tough outing against the Chiefs at, at Kansas City, but I actually do think he'll he'll start to generate some momentum and, and get out of his, his little funk. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, you got to turn it around if the Jets are going to have any chance of, of making a playoff. So let, let's go back to Carson yep. and let, let's take a look back to that because um, we, we had talked about taking a look at the AFC and the NFC, and we're going to kind of do a little conference wrap-up to see what things are going on there. We we had questions about Carson. We talked about it, at least in my opinion. I think you agree also. Turnover machine not playing the way he's supposed to be playing. So is, is this the, the beginning of the end for, for Carson Palmer? Is it just a slump? Is it is it something else that's going on? What, what What is your take on Carson moving forward? Do you think he's going to be the quarterback at the end of the year, or do you think it's time to start looking elsewhere? Uh, they're not going to bench him. I think that he is definitely the tail end of his career. I mean, we've seen, you know, drop-offs happen like this at, at a particular age, and we saw it with Favre, and I think that we're seeing it with Palmer, and I think that a lot of it is because he played out of his mind so well last year for 95% of the season. I mean, you got to expect that his level of play would come down anyway this season because uh, last year was a career high for him really everywhere across the board. Um, but then it's almost as if, you know, the ghost of last season, the NFC Championship game, have followed him into this season. So when you have a older, older quarterback who, you know, may or may not be having these uh, confidence issues, um, I think that it, that when you have that, it's a recipe for disaster. And I just think that it's going to take a lot for him to shake that, and I'm not sure that he'll be able to at this stage of his very, very late end, end of his career. But I think he'll go down with the ship. Yeah, I mean, who, who's the backup? Drew Henson or Drew Drew Stanton? Drew Stanton, I think it is. 